The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. I think I was playing with a really short player, someone who was like five feet tall. And obviously they're making everything and I'm missing everything. And I'm like, you know what? You know what? I, I figured out why I'm missing all my putts. I'm too tall. This is why. You're too I'm far six away feet. from the ball. Yeah, I'm too far away from the ball. They're five feet tall. And they're so much closer to the ball. That's why they're putting well. So then in the middle of the round, obviously there's no mirrors on the golf course. I start to bend lower to the ball. I start making everything. I'm just like, I feel so great over the golf ball. The ball looks bigger. The hole looks bigger. I'm one with the ball because I'm closer to the ball. And then after the round, reporters start asking me questions about my new punting stance. I'm like, yeah, I'm just like a little lower to the ball. Like, what's the big deal? And I see a picture of myself. I'm like, oh, I understand why. <laughs> I look funny. <laughs> Hi, Michelle Lee West. I am a mom and a professional golfer. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Off the Beat, our first episode of 2023. Happy New Year to all of you. As always, I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. And to kick off the new year, I'm very excited. As you just heard, I have with me pro golf extraordinaire and, well, absolute badass, Michelle Wee West. Now, if you're anything like me, you've probably been familiar with Michelle since she was just a young girl, taking the golf world by storm. That's right. She began her career before most people her age were even in middle school. And even more impressive than that, Michelle knew she was going to be a professional golfer when she was only seven years old. Seven. Think about that. What were you doing at age seven? Playing hopscotch, perhaps? Maybe collecting beanie babies? <laughs> I know I was. Uh, if there is an award in golf for the youngest player to do basically anything. You can bet that Michelle either has or had that record at some point. 
Since starting her professional career at age 10, she's hit just about every golf milestone known to mankind. And now she is using her platform to help women and minority-owned businesses, and she's passionate about showing young athletes that they can achieve all of their goals, including those outside of their sport. Look, if you know me at all, you know I love golf. And in fact, I played with Michelle last year at the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions, where I will be again this year in Orlando, January 19th through the 22nd. It's my opportunity to play with the stars of the LPGA Tour. And there is no bigger star than the living legend, Michelle Wee West. So, without further ado, here she is, MWW. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning Left over from the night before What's up, Michelle? Hi, how are you? I'm so good, how are you? Yeah, I'm excited that you're playing next year I won't be there, but I'm excited that you're playing next year at the Well, you're going to come, you're going to come caddy for me, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, is that a no? Was that was just a laugh? I didn't that hear was, that a no. Was a, that was a polite laugh. Oh, shoot. <laughs> There'll be a lot of those today, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you and I played together last year at the Hilton Grand Tournament of Champions for the LPGA Tour. Now, that might confuse some people as to why I was playing in the LPGA Tournament of Champions. But uh, yeah, there is, there's a celebrity component. How, how are those for you? How is it for you trying to concentrate and have me duffing it around? around no, you? honestly, I love these formats. They're so much fun. I had a blast. I had an absolute blast. And honestly, if we can't you know, concentrate with like, outside distraction then maybe we shouldn't be golf pros in the first place but you know i think that's the beauty of golf is that you can play with other people you know you can't you can never have this format in let's say nfl (laughs) you know you're not going to just like throw in celebrities and be like let's get tackled by you know nfl (laughs) that's true you know so it's a great format and golf is very unique in that way even if you do pro-ams i feel like in tennis it's never the same as well because you're across the net you know we spend we spent like five hours talking and getting to know each other and it was it was so much fun yeah i i love doing it i love playing in those events i i feel like it's my job because let's face it i'm not gonna win I feel like it's my job in a way to stay out of the way, but I do feel that competitive thing. Like I, I do, I do want to do well. In fact, there is a, there's a video that's going around there. I think it's on my all time highlight video. Cause I only have like three things <laughs> where last year with you on 18, I made a 20 foot yeah. for birdie ish. And so I think that I think the folks at the Tournament of Champions literally scoured my four rounds to find one redeeming moment. And of course I did a big fist pump like an idiot. 
Like no, it definitely should do a fist bump. Well, yeah, I mean a birdie is a birdie, right? Hey, it was a great birdie. It was a great birdie. Um, well, look, I've been a fan of yours for so so long. Um, I want to go back to start to to your childhood. You grew up famously in in Hawaii. Your mom was a golfer. Is that right? Yeah. Uh huh. And and was a good golfer. Yeah, she um, played competitively in Korea. You know, back in the day, though, there weren't a lot of women in Korea that played golf. So I think she, I mean, she said that she won a golf tournament, but there was like only four people in the field. So. Okay. <laughs> a win is a win. A birdie a is a birdie. Is a, and a win is a win. Exactly. A win is a win. Um, so yeah, she, uh, my, my dad and my mom got married and moved to the States. And um, my mom taught my dad how to play golf. And they joined this couples league and was very serious about it. And I started playing because I just wanted to join in on the fun. I felt like they were leaving me at my friend's house to do something fun by themselves. So I would beg them to take me with them so I could go out and drive the golf cart. You you started playing at age four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was playing a lot of other sports as well. I was playing baseball, tennis, swimming. I did ballet, funny enough. I didn't imagine that. Okay. Um, but I did a lot of other stuff. And I don't know, golf was just... I guess another one that I, I tried. At what point did you decide that this was not just a little activity you were going to do as a child, but that you were you were serious about golf specifically? Uh, I was, you're going to laugh. I was pretty young. I was about seven. Um, okay. I really wanted to be a tennis pro. I really wanted to be a professional athlete. That was your goal? That was my goal in life. I really wanted to be a professional athlete. I wanted to be really good at something. And I sucked at baseball. I sucked at soccer. I sucked at swimming, sucked at ballet and gymnastics. Obviously I was like a five foot child and it was tennis and golf. And I was pretty good at tennis, could hit the SHIT out of the ball, but you I couldn't run. I had really, you can say it. Okay. Yeah, I, don't, okay. I don't know if we're swearing on this podcast. Nah, um, <laughs> I'm also used to doing that around my toddler now. Oh, right. <laughs> she can't spell. <laughs> F-E-C-K. Can't spell that yet. Um, <laughs> no, but it was between tennis and golf, and I, I just couldn't run to the net. So I just made an executive decision that I was going to be a golfer, and that was the day. Wait, meaning you weren't fast? Oh, I'm very slow. Really? Extremely. My feet are like cement blocks, which I guess is great for golf. Oh, I, it is. You know what's interesting yeah. to at least me? That is, this is so lame talking to a real golfer about this. But I actually, most, it's not, it's occasionally cement. Like I've had that before, but I do a visualization where I, I think of my, my feet, my legs as trunks to try to not oh, yeah. sway or, you mm-hmm. know, to keep the, the, the lower half still. So I've, I've used that before. So good. So you actually have concrete on your feet. So that's, you don't even yeah. have to visualize it. <laughs> I know. Well, I think the next time we're together, we're going to race. I've just decided that because oh, I I feel like I'm going to lose. Well, then we definitely should. Yeah. Okay. So at seven, I mean, it doesn't make me laugh because doing my research here at 10, you became the youngest player ever to qualify for the U.S. Women's Amateur Public Links Championship. <laughs> now, you're 10. Are you are you hitting the ball far? Are you keeping it in play? 
are you put like what is your what is your strength at this point or is it just everything well i think there's one factor that i think a lot of people don't imagine in their heads when they're thinking about a 10 year old qualifying for a national event i was a behemoth of a child i was five seven when i was 10 and i weighed 175 pounds which meant i hit the golf ball over 250 you hit the golf ball over 250 at 10 years of age I, I mean, I, I weighed a solid 175. Yeah, but still, the coordination to do this is impressive. Are you doing, at 10, are you doing like core exercises? Not at all. If you see a picture of me, no. I was double fisting ice cream at that point. Right. Well, that gives you energy, I heard. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And are you shooting... What is it what does it take to qualify for the US Women's Amateur Public Links Championships? I mean, are you shooting par? I mean, I was at that point. I think I shot like I don't know, high 70s. I mean, okay. the also, I mean, I was also qualified in Hawaii too. And I think at that point there weren't a lot of people. I think now it's become a very popular qualifying site and there's the talent um you know, I think every year it's getting better and better. I think that year, not a lot of people try to qualify. So I, I was lucky in that sense. But yeah, I think I shot like high 70s, I think. Yeah, but that but that's misleading for people who don't really follow this stuff. I mean, I, the, there was recently a men's qualifying event here at the golf course where I am in California. They set up the course really hard and the guys were over par over two days. So, I mean, to say high seven, it's not. That's not like crazy. I mean, if they, when they set up the courses hard, this is, you know, it's difficult. How was it? How was it to be in the, who was caddying for you? Mom or dad? I think my, my dad, I think. Okay. Yeah. Did you have a preference yeah. at that point? Um, so I fought a lot with my dad, but okay. he was the more logical one on the golf course. Um, he had better course management. My mom was like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Oh, 230 over the water. You can do it. <laughs> and my dad would be like, no, you got to lay up. Let's be safe. And I would always argue with him because I would think more like my mom, but it was great. I needed someone like my dad on my bag. And were you like, dad, like you're 10. You're not oh, having yeah, a rational is. conversation. Oh, no. I, there's so many funny memories that I have of my dad catting for me because I would fight with him all the time. Um, it was when I was 10 at the public links. And I remember it was my first time playing in Georgia. Oh, no, it was on Georgia, North Carolina. And there was like flower beds and pine needles, stuff that I've never really seen before playing golf. Okay. And my ball goes into like this flower bed. I'm like, Dad, flower. And he's like, I'm like, why didn't you see that? Not blaming myself for hitting a bad shot. It was my dad's <laughs> fault for not seeing the flower bed and there was one time i think i was playing in a an lpga tournament when i was like 13 or something and my dad was caddying for me and you might have noticed that there's little markings on the fairway there's someone spray paints like a yellow triangle or like a red circle and it can get kind of confusing at times if you don't go stand right on top of it because they do a yellow triangle and a yellow square and my dad missed what shape it was and gave me the wrong yardage by like 40 yards and i it like 40 yards over the green and i uh i remember i vividly remember taking the yardage book from him and he's like you're fired i do this i do this still by the way and this is another thing if you if you're not 
you know, even if you're a golfer and, but you're not familiar with tournament golf, there's, it's good that you went to Stanford. Spoiler alert. There's a lot of math on the golf course. There's a lot of math. And particularly if you're like me and I do it three times a year, maybe at these tournaments that, you know, you can't use the yardage guns, uh, or lasers. I don't know if you can call them guns. I'm always like, Hey, hand me the gun. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? Um, it, there's a lot of math and it's to the front and then you got to add this and subtract that. And yeah, well, obviously you know what I'm talking about, but I, it, it's, it's, it's very difficult and you're out there trying not to take time, especially when I'm playing with Michelle. We, I'm like, just give me a, just give me a, just a, as close as you can get. Just give me the number. Let's move on. How, how was the, the attention that you're begin getting? How was that for your parents? I was, I think my parents took a definitely heavier load than I did um, okay. because back in the day, there wasn't, you know, Instagram or Twitter or any of that. It was only in the physical newspapers. I think there were some online articles, but I was going to school. None of my friends knew who I was. Oh, they were not aware. No, my, my best friend, her grandmother would like cut out a newspaper article and highlight the most important part. So she would read it because she wouldn't read the whole article. Um, but yeah, there was this really awkward moment where the mayor, I think when I was like 10 or 11, ended up um, assigning a Michelle Wee day. And I was this new kid in school and everyone hated me and everyone hated me even more after this. And I was like, great, <laughs> not awkward at all. <laughs> and, they, and they wanted to do it at school. And I'm like, oh gosh, anywhere but here, please. How, how old are you at this point when there's a Michelle Wee day? I think there was, I got one when I was like 11 and then I got one like in 2015. I, I don't know. It was, I did get a key to the park, which was very cool. Key, no key to the city, which I don't know where the key lock would be, but. Did they give you a key? They did. See, that's weird. I think I was given the key to Scranton, but I wasn't given a key. I think it was more yeah. a metaphorical key to the city. <laughs> no, they I literally guess. gave me a key. I have a proclamation. It's in my office, but they did not give me an actual key. Yeah, what is it open? I have no idea. I want to find out. Could be like national treasure. There should there could be some special stuff in there. Could be very special stuff that only you could see, or whoever else has a key. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, I've talked to a lot of well, child actors, for lack of a better term, about what it was like for them, not just juggling those relationships between school and work, if you will. Um, but also balancing school with doing the actual work. What, what percentage of time were you in the classroom here? 10, 11, 12. Are you, are you practicing all the time? You're obviously traveling to tournaments, so you're missing school. Do you have a tutor? How does that work for you? So I did have a tutor, and I only practiced after school um, for a couple hours. Yeah. Um, On the weekends, I would spend all day on the golf course, but I would probably only practice for like two or three hours after school. Um, And then my school and my my parents met. They said that I'm only allowed to miss two weeks out of the school year. So I didn't miss much school at all. Oh. And it's because 
Yeah, because I, when I was younger, um, I didn't play in any AJG events, um, which is the junior golf circuit, which, you know, there's a tournament every week like the LPGA Tour. I didn't play in that. I just played in the USGA events during the summer. So there was Puppet Links, US Amateur, and uh, US Junior Girls, which, and then I also played um, in the men's Puppet Links as well. So like, you know, four or five, I would try to qualify for the US Open as well. And then even once I qualified um, for LPGA tournaments and started playing in LPGA tournaments, because I wasn't a member, I was only allowed to play six throughout the year. Okay. So, I mean, most of my tournaments were in the summer. I missed two weeks out of the year, so it worked out perfectly. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's surprising. It's. I've also. I'm just going to take an opportunity to say the two things that I've learned so far to be. Uh, come a transcendent golf star is to eat just a double fist ice cream and only practice after school for like an hour or so. So yeah, I'm, and my, I'm well on my way. Yeah. <laughs> my reward for practicing well was a king size sticker bar. Oh, so how often did you get those? <laughs> Almost every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you just mentioned it. it. It's inconceivable to me, but you be, Begin playing with the men. I mean, for lack of mm-hmm. a better word, <laughs> weird. Um, in 2004, so you're 15, you became the youngest female to play in a PGA event, the Sony Open in Hawaii. You are playing on in public legs as well. What, what is this because you were playing against them? like in local stuff, like that this wasn't a big deal for you. Was this a goal of yours to do? Talk to me a little bit about that. So it's crazy. And, uh, this is definitely a mindset of, of a, I was 14, a 14 year old. (laughs) I had won the, the state's biggest tournament, women's tournament when I was 12 by 13 strokes. Yes. Um, and from then on, I just started playing in men's events because there was nothing bigger for me to kind of like, quote unquote, conquer, I guess, in the state of Hawaii. You know, I was already playing the 15 through 18 age range. And I I don't know. I was just like, to me, I didn't really understand the, the gravity of playing in a PGA Tour event. It was just another tournament that was on the island because you also have to realize that we're five, six hours from the West coast. So, right. you know, I'm not traveling a lot to the mainland. That's expensive for my parents. Um, you know, so I'm like, great, another tournament here on the island. Let's try to do that one. Um, so I didn't really, I guess I didn't really understand the gravity of it. It was 10 minutes from my house at that point. I had played on the boys baseball team. And for me, I was like, I did that. I could do this as well. <laughs> right. That was literally my mindset. It's kind of crazy thinking about that. But yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you just brought it up. That, that didn't really occur to me. Like, of course, you win by 13 shots against the women. Now, that it's the Hawaii State Open Women's Division. Is that every age woman? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So any yeah. woman in Hawaii you beat them all by 13 shots. And so you're like, well, who bring up the next one. Right. I mean, is that it? Yeah. I started playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The men's tournaments. And then um, I don't know. Just like for me, I was just like, let's just try new things. Let's qualify for an LPGA tournament. Let's play in a PGA tournament. I was like, why not? 
And then people started to make a big deal about it. And then I was just like, and I just started to think, I'm like, why are they telling women not to play in these tournaments? I was like, it just didn't make sense to me. I felt like that shouldn't be the reason why I can't play in these events, you know? Um, but yeah, just to me, it was just like, let's just, just try it out. See what happens. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst? Yeah. You could play like <laughs> me when I played with you. Literally, that's the worst that could happen. No. You played great. No, I did not. We had fun. <laughs> we had fun. Yeah. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This age, we're talking about 10, 11, you, you win at age 12, at 13, you make the cut on the LPGA tour, you start playing with the men before you, before your professional golf, what is the achievement for you that you're the proudest of? I think winning, winning the U.S. Women's Public Links when I was 13. Because I felt like every year at that tournament, I was like getting better and better and better. Um, and when I was 10, I made the cut, made it to match play, lost in the first round. When I was 11, I think I lost in like the third round or second round. And it just like kept getting better and better. And um, by the time I was 13, you know, I had won it and I had a, a really good chance to win when I was 14 as well. But yeah, it was just one tournament that I really wanted to win. USJ were like family to me. By that point, I was started playing in the US Open. You know, when I was 13, I played in my first major at that time, Craft Visco. Now it's a Chevron um, and made it into the final group on Sunday, which I'm extremely proud of as well. Yeah. 
you made the cut at the U.S. Women's Open when you were 13. Um, you turned professional shortly before your 16th birthday. Are you you're a, like a junior, a sophomore? Junior. I went to school young. I was 17 when I went to college. Okay. Why why Stanford? Um, that was a school that I've always wanted to go to since I was a kid. Partly in fact is my dad didn't get in. Um, he still went to UPenn, but my uncle went there, my aunt went there, my grandfather was a visiting professor there. My dad didn't get in. And I wanted to rub it in his face that I got in. <laughs> um, obviously. As you can probably see the dynamic between me and my dad. Um but yeah, I just yeah. I, I went on a visit there. When we were young, my cousins and I went there, and then I found out there was a mall attached to the university. I was like, well, I have to go here. <laughs> I have to go here. So it was just like this. It just became one of my like lifelong childhood dreams to attend Stanford. But it's interesting, right? You, you have two childhood dreams, at least. One is to become a professional athlete, and two is to attend Stanford. Well, I mean, obviously, spoiler alert, again, you you did both of those things, but you're putting that one dream in a lot of ways on hold for the other. You can't play on the Stanford team because you've decided to go professional. Was that difficult for you? No, I I think because I never played in any team setting. I never played in high school golf either because I turned pro in high school. I didn't feel like I was putting anything on hold. I just felt like I was doing I felt like I was two trains on two tracks just going at the same time um because when I was younger it was really weird I felt like I had a dual life completely because on the golf course I was a different person off the golf course I was a different person I was still going to school full-time um still had the same friends and I just saw college being the same thing as high school that I could do kind of the same thing at the same time I still played a full schedule on tour and um with school I went four and a half years because I didn't attend the spring quarter. I took one quarter off so I could play in more tournaments. And I actually, you know, won twice in college, which is something that I'm extremely, extremely proud of. Yeah. This has got to be difficult, though, juggling these these two lives. This, I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be difficult. I, I don't know. To be honest, like looking back, I do not know how I went to college how I graduated college while playing golf professionally full-time on tour. I don't know how I did that because I also took the maximum number of units I could because if I didn't, I would have been on an eight year track Right. <laughs> and I didn't want to be a 30 year old at college still. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know. I just, I didn't ever feel like it was difficult. I had a blast doing it mentally. It really saved me from burning out. I feel like, and also some of the years out of that college was more of my, some of my toughest years on tour because I was going through injuries. I just didn't play well. Could that been because of college? Maybe, but I felt like at the same time, you know, college was, was great for me mentally and um, for my emotional development. Yeah. Did you have fun in college? Oh, yeah, I had fun. <laughs> you had fun. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's good. No, that's good. <laughs> I, I, I love that because I, I think, you know, as someone, as everyone, as the world watched this all happening from the outside and we're seeing you as a, as a child, I mean, there's no other way to say it as a child 
dominating these events, playing with the men, and then deciding that you're going to go to college. I mean, it's how is the media scrutiny or the the media attention ah. for you? Because I know they were around Stanford. I remember, I, I remember it. Like, how 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 was that for you to juggle that? Oh, the media scrutiny was awful. I mean, people were ripping me apart about my decision to go to college, which I I truly did not understand. I, <laughs> I, I don't either, um, by the way. But I also feel, yeah. yeah, I also feel like I I think I thankfully paved the way for other girls to, you know, attend college and, you know, do golf professionally at the same time. So I feel like it was all worth it. Um, you know, Allison Lee and, you know, Bronte Law, they finished UCLA um, and then also turned professional as well. So I just wanted to show other girls and boys that you don't have to give up education to be good at a sport or to be dedicated to a sport. I mean, I got recruited by IMG Academy and I could have easily have left Hawaii, gone to IMG Academy and just done golf. But you know, it was really important to my parents that I leave, lead a, as normal as a life as that I could. And that I, you know, pay attention to that. And I'm really glad that they put a lot of emphasis on that, which it's funny because the media was, you know, scrutinizing my parents for the complete opposite reason, saying that they were pushing me to be in the spotlight, that they're, you know, that I don't have a normal life, that they are, you know, it's cruel that I'm doing all of this. But yet they were focused. I mean, they could easily have been, you know, the parents that they had made them out to be and made my life completely different. But they put so much emphasis on my my happiness over my career that I felt like all the scrutiny was really unfair. Yeah, I yeah, I never I never got that either. Because I felt like she wants to go to college. I I mean, I wasn't gonna say this before. I you know, I knew what I wanted to do eventually before before college and you know i chose to go to smu in dallas because at the time i felt like it was the best theater training program in the country that was not like a a juilliard like i wanted a university experience that was something that was really important to me yeah. it was sort of the same thing i could have gone to juilliard or carnegie mellon or you know some of those smaller places or just not gone to school. But uh, for me, and I, I feel like it, it sounds like it's the same from you. I've certainly seen images. My images weren't being paraded around on every broadcast. I had fun. I enjoyed the college experience and that decision was ultimately really, really good for me. Yeah, no, it was, it was the best decision I ever made. I remember, um, and I give a lot of kudos to Meg Mallon, who's a LPGA Hall of Famer. And I remember playing with her, you know, she was like my second mom on tour. And I, w I just was like, you know, I'm, I'm turning pro, but I also really want to go to college. I was like, do I have to choose between one or the other? And she's like, why do you have to choose? And you can, why don't you just do both? You want to do both, do both. It's your life. And I was like, okay, like, it makes a lot of sense because you know, at one point there was a lot of doubt in my head if I could do both, but I'm like, again, my life motto, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> exactly. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> yeah. Let's just try it out. If let's it try fails, it. I fail. <laughs> well, but you did it also. I do want to ask you this in terms of your support at that time. 
you know, when you're taking the time off and you're going to participate in outside tournaments, who's going with you? Who's my who, parents? Who, your parents. Your parents mm-hmm. are with you through college. Yeah, they um yeah, they travel with me to tournaments and it was it was great because I didn't have a tutor and my dad was a professor, so I would uh make him help me with my homework. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So you had you had support when you were on the road. Were they still living in Hawaii or did they move to California? Um they moved to California. They did. Um they're there between Florida and California. I also uh, got a dog as well, too, in the middle of college. Again, I was like, what's the worst that can happen? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, yeah, now it's like my parents, uh, my dog, and we're just this big traveling circus. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, After you graduate college in 2014, you win the U.S. Women's Open. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, one, at an iconic course, Pinehurst, number two. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that experience for you and what it meant to you to win that tournament that had been very important for you for so long. Yeah. Um, you know, when I talk about childhood lifelong dreams, winning the U.S. Open was definitely one of them. And 2014, setup was such a cool unique event because we were back to back with the men the men played the week before and then we played the same golf course a week later that's right Um, yeah and honestly i contribute a lot of my win because we followed the men and i um followed the last group ricky and martin keimer on the last day on sunday and it was funny because i didn't see a lot of other golfers walking around i'm like why wouldn't you it's like a free preview um, and it was like me and Jessica Corda that were watching all round and I saw Martin Keimer just shoot lights out. So, you know, before I get there, I'm super scared of Pinehurst number two because everyone's talking about how it's the like hardest golf course ever. Those winning scores can be like 10 over par or something like that. And I see Martin Keimer shoot, you know, a lot under par and he may, he's making the golf course look so easy. So from then on, I have a complete different attitude going to the league. I'm like, oh, he did this. I can do this. Oh, it's making the game a lot easier. And another fun fact is, you know, I was close to Ricky Fowler and he, I asked him for his yardage book. So (laughs) it was like cheating on a test because he wrote down pretty much every break on the greens, where not to go, where to miss it on this pin. And we basically had the same pins in the men. So um, it was a really cool experience, especially to win there. You had the same pins all, like all four days, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, it was pretty much the same. Wow. That's crazy. That's so awesome. I remember, and of course, again, spoiler alert. I, why do I keep saying spoiler alert? We didn't know each other at the time. I remember watching you in that event and rooting for you so hard. <laughs> I don't, I can't even explain it. I, I, I don't, I, but there was something for me about, you know, having seen you for so long, knowing, not really understanding, but intellectually knowing what you had to have gone through for all of those years. Um, and to see you there doing it was, yeah, it's one of my favorite 
memories watching golf of of oh, all time. Thank yeah. you. No, for real. Um, Tiger winning the Masters a couple of years ago that might have surpassed that, that, it. That yeah, I that, I hope it did. <laughs> that might have surpassed it. Uh, there have been, but there have been a few. But that no, for real. I um, you know, we're not a we're not a golf program here, but I do want to ask you, um, about the evolution, uh, you know, at that time of, of your, your putting stance. Is that what you call it? Your, the, your putting, putting stance. My tabletop um, putting. Tabletop. That's right. For those of you who are not familiar, Michelle, I mean, she went to a 90 degree angle when she was putting at that time. So what, how, what was t- explained to me the reason, and then I'll just do it. If you, if you can give me a compelling reason right now, I'll start tomorrow. I I'll give you two words. Okay. And that's all I need to say. Putting yips. <laughs> Putting yips. That was it. Oh, I had the yips. I had the yips bad and I was so uncomfortable over the ball. I mean, I was just like, the ball looks so tiny. The hole looks so tiny. And it was funny. So the year before, um, at the last tournament of the year, the tour championship, I'm hitting the ball great, putting awfully as as that year. Um, and I was, think I was playing with a really short player, someone who was like five feet tall. And obviously they're making everything and I'm missing everything. And I'm like, you know what? You know what? I, I figured out why I'm missing all my putts. I'm too tall. This is why. You're too I'm far away feet. from the ball. Yeah, I'm too far away from the ball. They're five feet tall. They're so much closer to the ball. That's why they're putting well. So then in the middle of the round, obviously there's no mirrors on the golf course. I start to bend lower to the ball. I start making everything. I'm just like, I feel so great over the golf ball. The ball looks bigger. The hole looks bigger. I'm one with the ball because I'm closer to the ball. And then after the round, reporters are asking me questions about my new punting stance. I'm like, yeah, I'm just like a little lower to the ball. Like, what's the big deal? And I see a picture of myself. I'm like, oh, I understand why. I look funny. But it worked. I felt comfortable. I didn't have the yips anymore. And that's all I cared about. How long did how long did you continue to putt that way? I think I putted that way. Um, I mean, I gradually start as the more comfortable I felt over the putts, the I started gradually coming up a little bit. I mean, I, I would say like two years or so, maybe. Okay. I mean, it's a long I mean, time to be nine degrees. It was. Yeah. 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 Man, it's visually not, shocking. It was visually <laughs> shocking. I love that you played with someone short that you attribute that <laughs> to playing with someone short and thinking, well, they're, they can see the ball so much clearer because they're closer to it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I, yeah, well, it was, I mean, it was iconic. It just felt, I mean, you know, I mean, I joked about the tiger thing before it sort of felt like what needed to happen in, as you brought up, well, one in a special place at Pinehurst, number two, two in this sort of unique setting with the men there as well. And I feel like, I mean, the U S open in golf always gets attention. I feel like there was extra that mm-hmm. year because of that. Uh, the opportunity to to see a course so many times at courses you you know that's the the greatest moment for you on a golf course. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, the worst moment probably came from when I was looking for my golf ball in the bush on sixteen. 
I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that up. And I didn't know, I didn't know if there would still be PTSD. Talk, take people, take people through that. So, so Pinehurst, one of the reasons that it makes it so difficult is if you miss the fairway, it doesn't go out of bounds. There are these little bushes where a place I played golf at a lot at Wilshire country club kind of adopted this uh, same diabolical Mm -hmm. craziness. I bring it up because the women play there now have a tour event there now. So talk us through 16 final round leading the U S open. You hit your ball and what happens? So um, to paint the picture, I start the day with four shot lead and Stacey Lewis is having a great day. So she's making up ground and now I tee off on 16 with, you know, three holes to play with a three shot lead. So pretty feeling pretty comfortable, want to play conservative. Um, I hit my ball into the fairway bunker and I should have played conservative, but from then on, I was like, oh, I'm going to hit a hybrid out of the bunker and try to get on the green. I basically shank it out of the bunker. And now I'm in this bush that you mentioned before, and we can't find the ball. Everyone's looking for the ball. The rules officials looking for the ball. And you only, in golf, you only have five minutes to look for a golf ball. That's it. And now it's like, you know, it's about that time. And I can feel Stacey Lewis coming on the range, getting prepared for a playoff now because I'm in a position where I'm going to make either a double bogey or a triple bogey. And, you know, now I won't have a lead. And thankfully, the rule officials, I think with like three seconds left, finds a golf ball. I hit it out. I have like a six footer, five or six footer for double bogey. And now I'm just like super nervous. And I think it was that moment that I'm the most proud of not the birdie afterwards, but that moment where I was just so nervous. It was like a, a right to left uphill putt um, and for double bogey. And um, really proud that I made it and kind of set the next two holes up. Yeah, it was it was crazy. <laughs> it was like Rory with the ball in the tree thing. That's what that, yeah. that was the only other thing it reminded me of. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zinn won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zinn.com find. That's zyn.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Has it been difficult for you? to say goodbye to golf these last few years? And and why was that? Was it the injuries? Yeah, so um, I actually got into a car accident in 2016 where it really messed up my neck. I actually had like a, a little fracture. I had um, herniation. So I've had a lot of cortisol injections and, you know, stuff done to my neck. I ended up having to get hand surgery because of that. And my shoulder was messed up. I have like nerve issues. And, you know, after having my daughter... I just never wanted to get to a point where I couldn't play golf with her or hang out with her or lift her up because I was, you know, really scared of that. But after having her, you know, I really wanted to play on tour and, you know, show her that mom plays golf. Um, so it was really hard to make the decision. It took me a really long time to make it, but I'm at, I'm completely at peace right now because I love being able to spend almost every day with her. I still travel a little bit here and there for work, but, you know, it's a different type of travel than when you're on tour. Um, I think the biggest decision, the factor that was, that was made was I was gone for two months and I brought her and my husband was traveling as well. So he couldn't see her for two months and she was really young at that point. And, you know, when you're going by months, two months is a really big, you know, step. They're doing new things, you know, and all that. And I just never, I just didn't feel comfortable with that because I felt like it was really unfair that either, I couldn't see her for a month at a time or my husband couldn't see her for a month at a time. So it was a very personal decision um, for me and my family, but I feel at peace with it now and definitely was going through a little bit of an identity crisis moment because I felt like I was like, what am I now? But I'm going through it. I think I'm at the other side of it now. Did you play your final professional round of golf with me? Uh, no, I did not. Damn it. Because no, I, <laughs> it was close though. It was very close. I just played the US Open after that. I just played one more tournament. So <sighs> yeah, I thought you had, I thought you had, I remember <laughs> you talking to me that day about, um, you know, feeling like you were, you were done, but you know, the US Open comes calling and you're going to go back and damn it. That would have been such a cool feather in my cap. God. So you make the putt on 18 and that was my, my send off. I, I make the putt on 18 and you're like, guess what? This guy does that. I can't play anymore. <laughs> We're done. We're done. I'm hanging it. I'm hanging it up. <laughs> you, you spoke a little bit about your injuries there. You were very guarded. You were very Bill Belichickian about <laughs> your injuries while you were playing. Why, why was that? I don't know. I think it was just part ego, part I didn't want people to know, part I didn't know what was exactly going on. Mm. Um, I I think that was my last one, but I think it was the biggest part because um, when I was going through my injuries, they were never really clear. I mean, some of them were very clear cut, but the first one that I had, you know, it was ever changing. So I never wanted to announce one thing and then have it be changed again and again. 
but a lot of the times I was just like, I don't know, I, I, was, I was ignoring the fact that I was injured, which was very stupid because you can't <laughs> ignore something like that. And I think it made my injuries go on longer because I just didn't face it head on. I kind of ignored it for a little bit. Um, but just later on, just realized that there's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, you get injured, athletes get injured. That's just a part of life. And um, I think that's when I just started to be a little bit more at peace with it myself internally. Because I did go through a lot of injuries, uh, which was really hard for me mentally and emotionally. But I just started to realize it's part of life. Yeah. It, no, it is. I mean, and per, uh, golf is really difficult on your body. I mean, God, I'm so such a genius for thinking of that. Actually, no one's ever said that before. It, but it really, you know, it really is your wrists, as you mentioned, your back, legs, hips, so many things. And especially when you've got a tabletop putting stance, <laughs> this is not, this is not easy. But I, yeah, I, I so admire you for I mean you may have been guarded about injuries but I felt like you were always very open and accommodating to the people around you and to your fans and in a lot of ways to the media I felt like you gave them probably more attention than they deserved at times but I really admire the way that you handled yourself Oh, thank you. I, I mean, I, the way I looked at it was that the reporters are just trying to do their jobs as well. You know, I was a communication major, actually had to write some articles and interview some people as well. And, you know, had to have some uncomfortable interviews. And I just, at that point, I just realized that they're just trying to do their jobs as best they could. You know, I respect the media and, you know, what they're trying to accomplish at times, you know, hurtful things were said and done. Um, but you just kind of have to not take it too personally, I guess, and realize that it's all a you know professional relationship. Yeah. You had a dream to go to Stanford. You had a dream to become a professional athlete. You also changed women's golf and brought women's golf into the spotlight at a time where women's golf was not getting very much attention. I mean, it's been said more times. It's almost a cliche now that you were the tiger woods of, of women's golf and brought all of that attention there. Was that ever a conscious thought in your mind or was this something that happened to you as opposed to you feel like you were driving that? Yeah, it was never a conscious thought for me. Um, I think it is a conscious thought now. I'm doing everything I can to bring more attention to the LPGA and try to make our tour a bigger and better place. Um, you know, but back in the day, it definitely wasn't a conscious decision. Yeah. And I mean, well, let me ask you this also. At what point were you aware that this was happening? I don't think I was ever really aware. I'm kind of oh, aloof at times. Um, come on. I guess. Come on. I don't know. I just... I don't know. I just felt like I, um, I don't know. I was just trying to win out there. I felt like there were so many better players than me out there. Um, and you know, so many different and better goats, as you might say, it was never, you know, number one in the world. I felt like, you know, I just felt like I never really lived up to people's expectations. So I never thought of myself as like someone that I guess changed the women's games that in my mind, there were so many other women that did, but I mean, 
I think now after retiring, um, you know, it is a very conscious decision for me to know that I have a platform and that, you know, I can use it to help future female athletes. Yeah, it's interesting hearing you talk. And I have gotten to know Annika Sorenstam quite a bit. She lives up in Tahoe. I obviously participate in the event up there and I've gotten to, and she's played up there and, and at the event in Orlando, amazingly generous, nice person always has been to me, but there was something about you. And I guess part of it was we started following you so early and, and that just makes a person root for that person and then want to follow that person that just felt different. It felt different with you. And I think that's, I think, I mean, I, I'm sure that's in part where the tiger thing comes in as well. He started so young and we started becoming aware of him. So, Mm -hmm. so young, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing. And for those of you who haven't been out to an LPGA event, it's crazy. I, I mean, it's truly crazy. I think the distance control is quite frankly better than the PGA tour. I mean, what, when I, the people I've played with, I played with Lydia Ko one time. I think I told you this last year. I played with her one time in Scottsdale for an event and we were through, we were just farting around and we were through 13 holes and I suddenly started doing the math, which is difficult for me. And I was like, she's going to shoot 59 today. She's going to shoot. She's going to shoot 59. Just at, and it was like all of the shots so just close, just hitting it, not putting, not, she didn't need to tabletop. She just hit it to four feet and knocked it in. It was crazy. It was crazy. And I feel that, that way so much there, the distance control, uh, on the approaches to the green on, on the LPGA tour. Are, it's so fun to watch. For sure. Yeah. The talent out there is unbelievable. Do you want to be an actor? I, I was actually telling my agent, I was like, I want to be that random person that's in all these random movies as an extra. And be like, oh my God, is that Michelle in a movie? I'm like, hello. But yeah. That's so that's what, because you did Hawaii Five O. Yeah, I had a blast. Honestly. You did. I feel like a lot of times athletes get bored. Like they, they, they get, they get bored of that, of that work. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I think athletes are kind of all adrenaline junkies. Um, and it's funny because after transitioning, I haven't, you know, felt that adrenaline. The only time I feel that adrenaline is doing live TV or doing a live, you know, show or something like that. Um, but acting I, in front of a camera, it's kind of like one of those, like one of those moments where you have to perform, you know? So I feel like actors and athletes are very similar. Oh my God. Wait a minute. Team, can you please get that? Can we cut that sentence right there and send just that to me? And I'm going to use that. I don't know. It's my ringtone. That would might be weird as a motivational. Oh, my alarm clock in the morning. That's what I'm going to use. it. For. <laughs> Athletes and actors are very similar. Yeah, I think so. Oh God. I, I love that. I, uh, well, I wish you luck with that. Thank I mean, you. you're, you, you say you're going through an identity crisis. You're, you're, you're doing a hell of a lot already. <laughs> you're focusing your business on, on women and my minority owned businesses. 
Uh, is this something you have always wanted to do? Is this conscious? Does this has to have to do with your impact on the LPGA, et cetera? Yeah, for sure. You know, I want to help bring, you know, more access into the game, but also into the venture side, you know, get more, give more access to women and minority owned founders. And yeah, I'm, I'm hosting an LPG event next year as well, which I'm super excited about, but kind of my mission to a lot of things that I'm doing is I want to help bring more access to the game, help bring more diversity into the game and, you know, hopefully break down barriers. So kind of everything I do kind of has that thesis. Right. I was told one of the companies that you've invested in is Sportsbox AI. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about this sounds fascinating to me. One, from a gaming perspective, but two, actually could be helpful for for golfers as well. Talk to me about it. Yeah, so Sportsbox AI is a really cool concept. Before, when you had to get 3D data for a golf swing, it was very expensive to get because you have to put all those white dots in your body. The technology yes. is very expensive. Um, so only a few teachers you know, have that, which means only a few students get to have access to it. And it's those students who usually have to pay a lot of money. So kind of going back to you know getting more access into golf, with Sportsbox AI, all you need is your phone and place it in front of you and take a video of you swinging a golf club. And then oh, the phone, yeah, it makes a 2D video into a 3D video, which is the eight different angles you can see it from. And it gives you all the very accurate, um, like shoulder turn rotation numbers, tilt, sway, all of that. You know, so teachers, any teacher can now have access to it at a very low pricing point. Versus, you know, you had to buy like a vest before or buy all this sort of technology. Now just, you just have your iPhone. It's an app. And they just recently came out with a user-friendly version. Um, so like you and me can use it because let's be honest, even I, when I look at the three numbers, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Um, so they've kind of created this like workout program-esque for golf. It's like Peloton for golf where, you know, you have, okay, I want to fix my slice. So you click on that practice plan and it gives you, you know, like, okay, 30 minutes on the range. Here are 10 drills that you need to do. And oh, it works, cool. walk, talks you through it. Yeah. And then you can also, in, in the beginning of the lesson, middle, and then the end, you can also film yourself using the 3D data to see exactly where you are instead of being like, oh, yeah, I think I'm rotating my shoulders a little bit more. This gives you the actual data. It's very clear that one, you really know what you're talking about in terms of what this company does. And two, that you think it's cool. I do as well that I can't even, I mean, I've done the dots thing. The dots thing is a, is a production, Yeah. but th to be able to do this and do a session, do a range session yeah. and mid session, be able to kind of recalibrate. That's very cool. Yeah. You have to try it out. I'll, I'll send you a code. All right, send me a send me a coat. Can you send me a new phone too? Because here's the crazy thing: your phone can do all these things, but yeah, I'm mad at the phone people now. It's been it's you know what it is? It's exactly two years. Now my phone's oh. all messed up. Exactly two years. We can analyze me in 3D, and then it's gonna die in two years. I am so bitter about it. I'm so <laughs> aggravated about my phone. Um you started a new podcast, Golf 
mostly with your old bestie, Hallie Ledbetter. Talk to me a little bit about, well, one, how it's going, and two, what was your your idea about starting it? Yeah, so Hallie and I have always wanted to start it. We never lived in the same city before, so now both living in L.A., it was a really cool opportunity to um, you know, do more media content together. The podcast, hopefully, is just the beginning. We want to do YouTube. We want to do live shows. Um, we want to do all of it. We want to do get-togethers. But mainly, we just want to show people the fun side of golf. We It's called golf mostly. We talk about golf maybe 20% of the time. That's not uh, mostly. mostly. That's not <laughs> I mostly. I know. Sometimes. It should be golf sometimes. Um, golf occasionally, it sounds like. Yeah, golf occasionally. But yeah, I mean, we're both golfers, so I think inherently it is a golf show. Um, but it's been really fun to talk to our guests, our friends who, you know, don't play a lot of golf and also ask them what the stigma of golf is and how it's, you know, A, changing or how it can change. So it's really fun to get into that and, you know, all the interviews that we do. Um, you know, it's fun to get to know another side of them. Like with Tony, we had both Tony and his wife come on and it's really cool to hear Elena's side of things and, you know, her stories of travel with the kids and um, there's things that, you know, Tony doesn't really get to talk about a lot and we really want to deep dive in the things that you don't really see. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. We recorded season one and um, we're working on season two right now. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. Honestly, if no one listened to it, Hallie and I are having so much fun doing it that that's all worth it to us. That's awesome. Congratulations. You are easy to root for. I wish you great success moving forward. I appreciate you coming and talking to me and quite frankly, your candid answers. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with this. People ask me all the time why I play golf. And for me, it brings me back to when, and this is going to sound like a joke, but it brings me back to when I was an athlete as a kid competing. And for me, the competition was the thing. And it doesn't matter how good you are or not. There's a handicap system that enables you, as you said before, to play with anybody at any time and compete. And for me, the reason I love golf, I've never talked about this on this program before, is that for me, it's the four hours that I put my phone away and I'm concentrating on one thing and one thing only, which is to get this stupid little ball into this hole. And that's it. That's all. It's, it, it's, it, 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 it's a very simple game when you boil it down yeah. to, just, to just that. And it makes everything go away. And I think it brings me back to when I used to play basketball and baseball and all these other sports when I was a kid and, and compete. And I think, dare I say, that part of the legend, the aura, the existence of Michelle Wee is exactly that as well, is taking us back to when we were kids, to watching you as a kid and beginning to root for you and wanting you to make it. Like almost yeah. like as a, as a replacement for those of us who chose different paths is like, look at that kid. I want, I want her to make it. And you seem likable and all of those things as well, but, (laughs) but really that, and, um, and look, getting to 
know you a little bit, you 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 don't disappoint. So no, uh, thank good you luck so to much. you. Good luck to you and uh, your husband's warriors. Go um, Dubs. Go Dubs uh, the rest of the year. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you out uh, at the golf course soon. Yeah, we should definitely play. Yeah. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. Michelle, thank you so much for stopping by. I guess now the cat is out of the bag. I am a huge fan. And so now, thank you for the tip. As another tall person myself, I am going to give your putting stance a try. Maybe this month at the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions. Who knows? Maybe this year I'm going to win it. I'll let you know how it goes. Listeners, I will see you all again next week with another fantastic guest. Until then, I hope that the first week of 2023 is off to a spectacular start. And to each and every one of you, I want this year to be the best year ever. We'll see you soon. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our producers are Diego Tapia, Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary, and our intern is Sammy Katz. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend, Creed Bratton, and the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.